We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. This is the last message in the series Capacity, and I believe God has a very special rhema word for some in this room this morning from this message today. So open your heart and allow God to begin to speak into you and through you. Candidates for baptism, we will dismiss you at the end of the message, so just keep your seats for now. Isaiah 54, also turn to Philippians chapter 3 and put your finger in that passage of Scripture. I know you can't do that on your iPhone or your iPad, so be ready to flip between them. But those of you who are like me and you still do things the old-fashioned way, turn in your Bible to those two passages of Scripture. Isaiah 54, beginning in verse 1, the prophet says, Sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate. Oh, somebody needs to hear that. You've been waiting on the promise and it hasn't been fulfilled. Isaiah said, more are the children of the desolate, those who have never born, than those who've already had kids. Oh, come on, somebody get that in your spirit. God's speaking into your heart and into your life today. More are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Oh, come on, folks, don't hold back. God says in the next verse, you're not going to be sold short. So don't hold back. Don't be reticent. Don't be afraid. Don't be timid. But press in and let God have everything you have this morning and see what he will do. He said, enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, you will not be put to shame. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood. For the maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. Who's going to do it? God Almighty is going to do it. He's going to do what he's promised in and over your life. The Lord of hosts is his name. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. Father, in Jesus' name, bless the minister of your word this morning. Let your word be filled with power and life today. Anoint me and anoint the hearts of those listening so that only what you want said and only what you want received touches lives today. In this room this morning, save and heal and deliver by your mighty hand. Prove your works one more time. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're talking about capacity, about increasing our ability for the things of God, deepening our relationship with Him, and through Him, our relationships with those around us. We're talking about increasing our influence for the kingdom. We're talking about pushing back darkness and letting the light of the gospel touch hearts and touch lives. If we're going to do this, friend, it's got to last longer than a sermon series. This series is over today, but the teachings contained therein over the last two and a half months have got to carry you through life. You've got to move beyond just a six or an eight week period and move into the place where you begin to think long. Where you begin to play the long game. Where you recognize I'm in this thing for eternity. It's not just about today, but it's about forever and ever and ever. 
Last week I challenged you and I asked you, are you holding on to something that's worth holding on to? Because you see, to increase our capacity, we must remove some things from our lives. And if you're holding on to things that aren't worth holding on to, today's the day to start that shedding process. To move it away and to move it out so that God has more room and greater influence in your heart and in your life. you got to think long. You've got to look beyond today. The sailor gazes at the horizon rather than looking at the waves. We need to take a lesson from that. If all you're seeing are the waves, you're never going to see where you're going. you got to look at the horizon. You know, when I was a kid growing up on the farm in western Oklahoma, my dad started me very young driving a tractor. And I can remember the first time he turned me loose in a field by myself. I was nine years old. Now, dad was careful and cautious, so he plowed about the first five rounds around that field so I didn't run into a fence. That's pretty smart. But then he hopped off the tractor and he said, it's yours. You just go ahead and work the rest of this field. I've got something else to do. And he left. Nine years old. At nine years old, I was full of myself. Man, look what my dad thinks. He trusts me. He thinks I can do this. But what I didn't realize is that nine-year-olds are distracted by everything. We're distracted by birds. We're distracted by airplanes. We're distracted by snakes. We're really distracted by bumblebees. And I worked in that field about three hours before my dad came back. And when he came back, I pulled up beside him, stopped the tractor, and he was just laughing. Almost doubled over laughing. And I said, what's so funny? He said, well, look what you've done. And the furrows that he started that were straight as a string suddenly looked like a snake because I was distracted. And in that day, I mean, if he would have had a breathalyzer, he would have given it to me that day. In that moment, I realized an important lesson. If you're going to do things right, if you're going to live well, you've got to think long. He said, son, you've got to look at the end of the field. You've got to pick out something that's immovable. Choose a fence post or a tree, something that isn't going to move, and you focus on that. You don't look right in front of you, or this is the way your furrows look. You look at the end of the field, where you're going, your goal, your objective. You see, friend, it's the same in Christianity. If all we see are the problems in front of us, that's what the message said this morning through Bill. If all we see is right here, then we don't see the God who is above all and through all and over all and able to do exceeding great things in our lives. So we've got to learn to think long, to play the long game, to recognize we can't be distracted by what's right in front of us. Look at me, look with me at Philippians chapter 3. I'm reading from the message, and I'm just pulling verses 13, 14, 15, 17, and 20 out of this passage for now. Paul said, friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But I've got my eye on the goal. What was he saying? He's saying, I'm thinking long. I'm playing the long game. I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running. I'm not turning back. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. When you start the race of Christianity, there's no place to stop and no place to quit. Quitters don't get the reward. Those who run the race to the finish get the reward. Come on, it's time to dig down inside of yourself and say, Spirit of God, remove that quitter spirit from me. I'm going to run the race, and I'm going to run it to win. He said, I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. 
If that's you, would you just raise your right hand and say, God, that's me. I'm a candidate. Everything that you have for me, that's what I want today. Hold nothing back. Everything you have for me. Verse 17. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running the same course, headed for the same goal. You know what that tells me? Tells me we don't do this thing by ourselves. Years ago, I had a guy in the church who never came to church. Figure that out. And he would always tell me, oh, I don't need to go to church because I can meet with God out on the mountainside or out in the prairie or even over coffee on my back porch. Well, that's probably true, but you need to hear the advice of the Apostle Paul. By the way, you need to download Doug Apple's podcast from this past week and listen to what he says, why everybody needs to go to church. It's good stuff. What did Paul say? He said, stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running the same course, headed for the same goal. In other words, link arms with somebody and run the race together. Two are stronger than one. A three-fold cord is not easily broken. Come on, folks, get in faith with somebody, be a part of a local church, and let God use you to build the kingdom. Verse 20, there's far more to life for us. Who's he talking about? Believers. We're citizens of the high heaven. We're waiting the arrival of the Savior, the Master, Jesus Christ. What's he saying? He's saying it's time for you to think long, Philippians. It's time for you to think long, Christian heritage. It's time for you to play for eternity and to play for keeps. Fix your eyes on things above, not on things below. You see, we need to understand, I told you this in January when we began this message. God didn't send Jesus to die for you so that you you can live a nice, comfortable, safe life and then make it into heaven. Jesus came and died for your sins and saved you and redeemed you to make you dangerous. Dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Dangerous to the plans of the enemy. He called you to empower you and send you into darkness and dispel it with the light of Jesus that's within you. Oh, it's time to think long. Think long. Remember we talked about when Cortez landed on the shores of Mexico. He unloaded all of those boats and then he said to his men, burn the boats. We're not going back. There is no plan B. Oh, come on, church. Christianity isn't something we try and we dabble with. And if it doesn't work, we walk away from. It's the only game in town. It's the only way of salvation. There is no other I am trying through this series to start a revolution in hearts and in lives to bring us from the place that we are complacent in Christianity to the place we are consumed with the light and the power and the fire of a living God where once again we will be like the church of Acts and they will say of us as they did of them, those who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Come on church, that's what God wants. He's not interested in you and I just showing up on Sunday morning. He wants this thing to be a heart in our life 24-7. We are to be disruptors, rebelling against the kingdom of darkness and bringing the kingdom of light. We've got to recognize we have an enemy. We've got to fight tooth and nail. We can't give up. We can't lay down. We can't back down. We have got to fight for the things of God. And when we take that stand, oh, hear this. When we take that stand, God goes before us and wins the victory. But it's not going to happen until you stand up. And until you say, as Joshua of old, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Oh, come on, that's thinking long. That's determining I don't live just for today, but I live for those who follow me as well. You see, the enemy, Satan, no horns on his head. He likes short-sighted people. 
He likes us only to see the problem that's in our face rather than the God that's over that problem. He loves short-sighted people because they're easily distracted. They're easily discouraged. They're easily knocked off their course. I mean, think about it. Judas was a short-sighted person. All he was interested in was the money. And he sold his, sold his Savior for a handful of coins. Think about it. Ananias and Sapphira were short-sighted people. All they wanted was the glory of doing something for the kingdom. So they lied in front of the temple. Think about it. Demas, Paul said, has forsaken me because he loves this present world. Forsook him for pleasure. That short-sightedness. Short-sightedness. Our relationship issues, our church issues, usually come because we are short-sighted. Because someone didn't please us. Because it wasn't the way we wanted it to be. Oh, come on, we let something get stuck in our crawl. We worry over, we turn it over. When next year, it won't amount to a hill of beans and won't make any difference. We're short-sighted. We need to know and understand that God wants us to play the long game. We have got to start thinking long. Short-sightedness occurs when we look at the temporary rather than the eternal. When we place our emphasis on our portfolios and all that we have, rather than on the people that God wants to bring into the kingdom of God. Short-sightedness occurs when we place value on our opinions. Now listen to me. All of us do this. We think our opinions are so valuable. I've come to tell you there is a higher standard, and it is the Word of God. And my opinion better line up with the Word, or my opinion is out of order. See, we place so much emphasis on our opinions rather than upon Scripture and what God has showed us and told us and guided us and directed us. So many times we lose that eternal perspective and we become short-sighted when we place emphasis on physical things rather than eternal things. When we're so consumed with buildings and carpets and air conditioning and lights and electricity rather than on building the kingdom of God. Do you understand the kingdom is not physical? It is spiritual. It resides in the heart of men and women. When you and I come to Jesus Christ, we are born into the kingdom of God. We're given passion and life and hope and power to live in the kingdom of God. We've got to come to understand in the kingdom of God, the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down vain imaginations, vain imaginations, right back to our opinion, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. We have got to come to the place where we are kingdom focused, and we understand this is just one small portion of the kingdom. This is just one small portion. There are portions of the kingdom meeting around the world this morning to worship the king of the kingdom whose name is Jesus. Come on, folks, get your eyes off the physical and put them on the eternal. Begin to focus on those things that are important to God. Now, this is where a lot of us trip up because when we think long, a lot of times we look foolish in the eyes of the world. We look foolish sometimes in the eyes of other believers because they don't get it. But thinking long is the willingness to look foolish. The willingness to look foolish. Joshua Simonette dreamed of playing in the NFL. But no Division I college even bothered to recruit him. He ended up going to Tennessee Technological University. I'd never heard of it until I read this story. 
And he wanted to play in the NFL. That was his dream from a boy. It had been 10 years since any player from Tennessee Tech had been recruited in the NFL. Start of his sophomore season, he had a change in his thinking. And he started wearing a suit to his games every Saturday. He'd put a suit on in the dorm room, walk five minutes across campus, take it off in the locker room. When the game was over, he put his suit back on and walked back to the dorm room. His teammates thought he was crazy. His coaches even wondered. When they asked him, why are you doing that? He said, well, I noticed that NFL players wear suits to the game. I'm sewing into my future. I'm believing this is who I'm going to be. And he started working to that end. He was thinking long. It was a statement of faith. And he said, it doesn't matter if I look ridiculous because thinking long is a willingness to look foolish. Played his four years at Tennessee Tech and there wasn't a single NFL team that was interested. Finally, one team gave him a shot, but that was enough. That was the Washington Redskins. He actually made that team, and get this, he ended up playing in the same backfield. He was a safety. He played in the same backfield as somebody you know who played right down the road whose name was Deion Sanders. Now, that's an amazing thing. Somebody nobody wanted, but believed God had a great dream and a gift for him and an assignment for him, and he saw that come to pass. We need to understand he was thinking long. That's what we have to do. Sometimes, friends, you sow and you sow and you sow and you sow before you reap. That's thinking long. That's understanding God has a plan and a purpose. God's going to water what I'm sowing, and God will always bring the harvest. That's thinking long. See, I want you to understand this morning, I'm here on a kingdom assignment. Yvonne and I came on a kingdom assignment. And that assignment requires that we think long. We can't say we're here for a few years and then we're out because this thing requires thinking long. Requires a long-term commitment. First time we met with the lenders, I said it's a two-year turnaround. The next year, I said it's a five-year turnaround. Can I tell you, last year we made that turn. Things started to move and to shake. When we determined to think long, when we determined that I am not going to be swayed, you're not going to run me off, you're not going to run me out, I know what God has spoken into my heart and in my life, then we can think long and see the results. Some of you need to hear that because you're on the verge of giving up. You're at the point of quitting. Don't quit. Think long. Know what God's going to do for you. Years ago, God dropped a vision in my heart. It's recorded in Psalm 2.8. It says, ask of me, and I will give the heathen for thine inheritance, the uttermost parts of the world for your possession. That's why I've traveled the world preaching the gospel, because that's the vision. That's why I'm here this morning making 50000 a year less than I made in business, because that's the vision. I'm thinking long because God said, I'm going to build my kingdom. Come on, somebody, think long. Understand it's beyond what you see today when you lock into what God is doing. Look at it again from Philippians 3.13. Paul said, I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. Do you understand that? It says God's right there. He's saying, come on. Come on. Oh, I've got a cheerleader in heaven. His name is God the Father. And he's saying, come on, run a little harder. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't get tired. Come on. I'm waiting for you. Come on. There's a goal to achieve. Come on. Oh, come on. Move on and move in. Last year, I took Yvonne back to Kansas to watch a Kansas basketball game. If you've never been to Allen Fieldhouse, it's an awesome place. That place rocks and it roars. It's the loudest field house in college basketball. She had never been there. 
We walked in and it's a great arena for basketball. If you don't know, I love NCAA basketball. And yes, I'm watching the tournament and yes, my bracket's already busted. So it's over with. But I'm sure glad, I'm sure glad that Villanova lost. Can you say amen? Amen. That was wonderful. That was sweet. Why do you say that? Because they beat Kansas last year. That's why I say that. We went back to that basketball game. That place was rocking and rolling. They were playing one of the rivals, Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State got ahead at one point. And all of a sudden, there was a breakaway and a slam dunk for Kansas. And that crowd erupted. They began roaring and cheering. Oh, friend, let me tell you, that's what's happening in heaven. Every time we say, I'm not giving up. Heaven begins to applaud. God begins to beckon. Come on, don't give in. Don't give up. Think long. It's about eternity. It's about eternity. Paul said, I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. Let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. If we want to expand our capacity, what do we need to do? Focus on the goal. Keep running. Don't turn back. Don't stop. Stay focused on the goal. So I'm going to ask you this morning, what's your long game? What are you working towards? What are you pursuing? What's in your vision? What's on your horizon? What's your long game? A couple of weeks ago, Daryl challenged you to find 10 people that you refuse to go to hell. That's a long game. That's a long game. When you invest in your children, when you teach them in the ways of God, that's the long game. When you lead your family in ways of righteousness, that's the long game. When you stand and believe for the kingdom of God, when you say God is able, God is greater, God is well able, that's the long game. Come on, church, when we change our focus from what's in front of us to what we know. So let me ask you, what are you willing to die for? What really matters to you? And will it make it to eternity? Will it survive the transition? Is what you're living for worth dying for? Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Is what's near and dear to you going to survive the transition into eternity? Or is there going to be wood, hay, and stubble that gets burned up? You see, you and I need to be focused on the long game. And the long game is when I stand before God, I'm going to have so many awards. I'm going to have so many trophies. I'm going to have to get somebody to come and carry them for me. I'm working for eternity, not for today. I'm working for the promise of God, not for what I see in my face. I'm playing the long game. I'm believing that when I think long, I may look foolish right now, but I know the end's in sight. And I know I'm going to get my number called and I'm going to see my dreams fulfilled because God never fails. God is able. Oh, I love that song. I wish I could sing it, but I can't, so I won't. Well, I can, but you don't want me to. It's a great song. Thinking long causes us to look beyond the grave, to look beyond this life, to look beyond the bank accounts and the relationship problems and the issues at work and the problems we have with our children. It causes us to look beyond that and see we've invested in something greater. You see, when you come to Christ, you've been given an opportunity 
to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself. To be a part of something that's going to survive the transition from death into eternity. It causes us to prioritize our lives, to order our lives, so that God is first and foremost. And everything He wants becomes our heart's desire, and we allow Him to move in us and through us. It causes us to realize that when we come to Christ, God didn't promise us happily ever after. There will be problems. There will be pain. There will be difficulties. Well, I can see him leaving now. See, this isn't popular, but it's true. I could stand up here and I could preach to you that when you come to Christ, your bank account's going to be full, your body's going to be healed all the time, you'll never have any issues, your clothes aren't going to wear out, you're going to live in a mansion and drive a big fancy car. I can tell you that, but it's not true. So what I will tell you, when you come to Christ, He's going to walk with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. When you're in the hot water, He's going to pull you through. He will never leave you in a place that you cannot overcome through the power of the Spirit of God when you put your trust in Him. It causes us to realize that God didn't promise us happily ever after. We will endure the things that normal humanity endures. Some of us will have to walk through cancer. Some of us will have to walk through divorce. Some of us will have to walk through our children being locked up and in prison. Some of us will have to walk through the death of a spouse or a child. Some of us will walk through bankruptcy. Some of us will walk through job losses. Some of us will walk through deep disappointments and heartaches. But the good news is, through it all, He never ceases to hold our hands and to strengthen us and to see us through because we're seeing the long game. This life is just a vapor. And then it's gone. Do you understand right now we are living for eternity. We're living forever. God never promised us happily ever after. This is what he promised us. He promised us happily forever after. I'm living for the forever. How about you? I'm living for the day when I hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. I'm living for the day when he gives me a kingdom assignment and I can rule and I can reign with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's about the long game. It's about the long game. It's about thinking long. Matthew 6, 23 from the message says it this way. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust... Your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you'll have. What he's saying, he's saying, this is all you see, you're going to be miserable. If all you see are your problems, you're going to be miserable. But if you'll start to start to live for those things that are yet to be, if you'll believe God has called me to build and to establish his kingdom, then you can make it through those times and see the victory and the power of God. What's your long game? What's your long game? With his hands tied behind his back, J.W. Tucker was brutally beaten with broken bottles. After being beaten, his body was then thrown in the river where alligators, crocodiles, pardon me, crocodiles, ate him alive. It wasn't Isis or Akeda that did that to him. That attack actually took place on November 24th, 1964. And it was Congolese rebels in the Congo of Africa who killed J.W. Tucker. 
But Tucker believed eternal gain is worth earthly pain. Probably ought to write that down and remember it. Eternal gain is worth earthly pain. He was thinking long, and it was that thinking long that caused him to be willing to risk his life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It wasn't an uncalculated risk that took him into the Congo during a time of civil war. But he counted the cost. I never knew J.W. Tucker. I was a little boy when he died. But I knew his mentor. His name was Morris Plotz. When I was in Bible school, I sat across the table from Morris Plotz. He was a big man, 6'6", close to 300 pounds, a commanding presence. And he told me this story. He said, I talked to Jay before he went into the Congo. And I said, Jay, if you go in, you'll never come out. They'll kill you there. And he said, Steve, I remember his words as though it were yesterday. They're pinned on my heart. They're my driving force now. Jay Tucker said, Morris, God didn't call me to come out. God called me to go in. God called me to go in. Listen to me, folks. It doesn't take any courage to come out. It takes courage to rush in. It doesn't take any courage to run from the battle. It takes courage to rush to the battle. We need to understand if we're going to expand our capacity, we've got to be willing to go in. That's where courage lies. So J.W. Tucker went into the Congo. He was beaten with those broken bottles, thrown into the river, and he died, eaten alive by crocodiles. Left a wife and two children. Thirty years passed, and many thought his death was in vain. You see, the Bomakande River, the river that he was thrown into, flows through the middle of an unreached people group, a tribe called the Mambetu tribe. And during a time of civil unrest, 30 years later, the chief of the Mambetu tribe called the government and said, we need help putting down this civil unrest. So the government sent a man by the name of Brigadier. And when Brigadier went in, he started working with the Mambetu tribe, and he learned they had a custom, an ancient custom, that said the man whose blood flows in the river, you must listen to his message. So he called the whole tribe together. True story. And he said, you have a custom that says, if a man's blood flows in your river, you must listen to his message. I came to bring the message. Because 30 years ago, J.W. Tucker came to bring this message to you. You beat him with broken bottles. You threw him into the river. Crocodiles ate his body. You must listen to his message. He said his message is that God sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but come to eternal life. He shared with them the gospel in a very simple form. And he went on to say, and I accepted that message and it changed my life. You see, two months before J.W. Tucker's death, he had led the brigadier to the Lord. On that day, dozens of members of the Mombetu tribe knelt and accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior. What people thought was lost, no, it was the long game. It was the long game. What people thought was lost, no. And now today there are thousands of believers in the Mangbetu tribe, hundreds of churches, because one man said, God didn't call me to come out. He called me to go in. Oh, come on, I'm looking for some people who will say I'm interested in doing what God wants me to do. I'm interested in pushing on and persevering. Ask yourself, what are you living for and is it worth dying for? What are you holding on to and is it worth 
holding on to? Will it survive the transition? For you see, in Christianity, it's not win, lose, or draw. It's life or death. It's life or death. We have got to come to that place we understand that there is no plan B. It's not coming out that takes courage. It's going in. And God is looking for warriors, men and women, who will stand up and say, let me rush the portals of darkness. Let me rush the kingdom of the enemy. And let me bring advancement to the kingdom of God. God, I'm willing to give my life going in. See, it's understanding understanding that with God, the outcome isn't the issue. The issue is our obedience. J.W. Tucker gave his life. 30 years later, that tribe came to Jesus Christ. He never saw the outcome. In the eyes of the world, he was a glaring failure. But aren't you glad God doesn't use the same measuring stick that the world uses? Because God said, 30 years from now, the brigadier is going to come. He's going to learn of your legend. He's going to make you listen because of your legend. And you're going to receive my son, Jesus Christ. God plays the long game every single time. Success isn't winning or losing. Success is obedience to God. It's honoring God, folks, whether you're in the red or whether you're in the black. Whether your business is successful or whether it's a complete failure. Whether you win or whether you lose the election. It's giving God glory whether you have more wins in the win column and more wins in the loss column. In the kingdom, success is making the most of your time, your talent, and your treasure. Making the most of what God has given you. Doing the best with what you have where you are. That's success in the kingdom of God. See, it's understanding we play the long game. And when we do, we can handle adversity. When we do, we can handle disappointment. When we do, we can overcome our mistakes. When we do, we can handle an offense. And rather than those things driving us away from God and away from the church, they draw us closer. Rather than those things making us bitter, they make us better. Because we're playing for keeps. We're playing for eternity. We're playing the long game. Tom, would you come back? This morning, I want you to understand and recognize as we conclude this series, it's not about today. It's not even about tomorrow. It's about eternity. It's about playing the long game. It's about recognizing that God has a plan for my life and I'll buy if I buy into it. If I invest in it, then God's going to do some mighty miraculous things in and through me. I'll be able to stand and say, God has not forgotten me. God has not failed me. God has came through every time. And look what the Lord has done. He is amazing. He is amazing. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed in this room this morning. You're in this place today. Candidates for baptism, would you go and begin to prepare for water baptism? You're in this place this morning. You've never asked God to come into your heart and to come into your life. Never ask Him to forgive you of your sins to touch you, to change you, to recreate you in His image and likeness. If you were to die today, you'd find yourself living, banished from God, separated from Him for all of eternity in a devil's hell. The good news is, you can be just like those members of the Mombetu tribe, and you can accept Him as Lord and Savior this morning. And from today forward, He's going to change your life. I'm talking to you this morning. You need Jesus in your heart and in your life. By raising your hand, you say, that's me. Steve, pray for me. I want to accept Jesus. I want him to forgive my sins. I want him to change my life. As I wait a moment, slip that hand up. That's me, Steve. Pray for me. As I wait just a moment, 
Praise you, Father. If you're in this house this morning and you say, I'm not going to play for today any longer. Today I'm playing the long game. Today I'm focusing on eternity. Today I'm willing to rush in believing that God will give me the ability and bring me to victory. Even though I may never see it, I'm going to do what God's asking me to do. I'm going to play the long game. If that's you, right where you're at, just stand in your seat. I'm going to pray for you. Stand wherever you're at right now. If that's you and that's your desire, just stand across this room this morning. And I'm going to pray for you. Anyone else, you'll join these many who are standing. I'm going to play the long game. I'm going to start doing things the way God is calling me to do it today. I'm going to play the long game. Anyone else, you want to join these who are standing? Right now, just stretch out your hands to Him in an act of, in an act of submission. We lift our hands as a sign of submission to the Lordship and to the authority of Jesus Christ. Today, Father, we declare that you are our Lord, our Savior, our Master. Today, we declare that we're under the dominion, the rule, and the reign of Jesus Christ. Today, I pray that you would bring that urgency and that courage into our hearts and into our lives that says, we're not giving up, we're not giving in, we're going to play the long game. It doesn't matter what we see right in front of our face, we're looking at the horizon. We're focusing on the goal. There's a Father in heaven who is beckoning us onward. He's cheering for us. He's saying, come on, run harder. Come on, fight harder. Don't give up. Don't give in. Push in. Press in. And God, today, those of us on our feet are declaring, we're here to play the long game. Even if it means we look foolish, we're going to play the long game. We're willing to take the risk that you might be honored, that you might be glorified in and over our lives. We bless you, we praise you, we magnify you, we exalt you. Now seal this word in the heart of your church. God, don't let it be a word that soon dissipates and passes away. But wake us up tonight and remind us tomorrow and next week and next year that you are calling us to play the long game. You're calling us to keep our eye on the prize. You're calling us to run the race to win. Remind us of J.W. Tucker. Remind us of his commitment to the cause of Christ and him saying, God didn't call me to come out. God called me to go in. Lord, would you put that type of metal in our spirits today? That type of backbone in our lives today where we're willing to say regardless of the cost, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to pursue with the passion the one that loves me and the one that has saved me. And I'm willing to risk being thought foolish in order to see God's purposes come to pass in me. Teach us, Lord, to play the long game today. To commit for eternal good and eternal purposes today. In Jesus' name I ask it. And in Jesus' name I pray. Seal it in our hearts right now. You may be seated. Yvonne, would you go ahead and come? Daryl and Mark, would you come? Before you come, we're going to uh, do these water baptisms. And I think they're probably ready back here. Come on, I want you to celebrate with these candidates and believe that God is going to do a work in their hearts and in their lives.
Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.